0: We are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod Turn that shit up, please. Y'all know who the fuck it is, man It's the host With the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod A.K.A. The Ace of Spades Thanos A.K.A. The nigga with four of them things A.K.A. Mister You fuck with me You fucking with the best A.K.A. The Ace of Spades Final Boss Follow me on Twitter At Cam's Not It's a Monday edition of the Ace of Spades pod I don't think I've ever released an episode on Monday But y'all know why I'm here It is time to deliver on my promise It's mock draft time This is Cam's Ace of Spades Mock draft 2.0 episode Two rounds As requested by my guy Heavy Low We're gonna do the first 24 picks Of the Ace of Spades draft projected in a mock. I can't wait to hear you guys' feedback on this because I have some really interesting picks in the second round. So let's get right into it. As always, we're going to start with some NFL news and notes. Some pretty significant news dropped today that's actually fantasy impact. And let me fade this music out, my bad. I'm sure you all saw the notification in the chat. Uh, Sam Darnold has been traded. Sam Darnold has been traded to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a 2021 sixth, a 2022 second, and a 2022 fourth. The Panthers will also pick up Sam Donald's fifth-year option, apparently, so he will be, presumably, the quarterback in Carolina for the next two seasons, 2021 and 2022. Um, Fantasy fallout from this trade, Sam Donald obviously gets a huge boost um, to, to his value. He's still firmly in the back-end QB2 conversation for me. I, I wouldn't expect... Anything more than that. Uh, if you are a Sam Darnold owner or someone trying to pursue Sam Darnold in a trade, he's still a, a back end QB2. Uh, but I do have to say he gets an, an, an uptick in his value just because, you know, this is going to be the best offensive system and best supporting cast Sam Donald has had the opportunity to play with in his very short NFL career. I'm pretty torn on Sam Donald, the player. Um, I don't believe he's gotten a fair shake throughout, you know, the first three years of his career. Obviously, he was tied to a really bad offense. Played for Adam Gase. Um <laughs> there really isn't much to be said beyond that but you know on the flip side of that Sam Donald has also put some really nasty stuff on tape I, I don't think Sam Donald is very talented I'll, I'll say that but uh, I think he's serviceable um, and I think he gets an individual boost to his value in terms of the Carolina Panthers weapons <laughs> Um, I don't I don't see how this is I don't see how you can give these guys a boost in any way based on what Sam Donald has shown us throughout his career in the NFL. If you're a Sam Donald truther and you think that, you know, you want to go back to some USC tape and some things that he did there and talk about his prospect profile and what, you know, he was supposed to be as a quarterback, be my guess. But based on what he's done as a New York Jet, albeit the system wasn't the best and the circumstances were weren't ideal, um, he hasn't shown that he's a very, very good quarterback, independent of all those circumstances. Um so I think I think DJ Moore you know, I think he's flatlined. I think Robbie Anderson's flatlined. I think CMC is what he is at this point. Um, in, in terms of, um, uh, his value being boosted by his QB play, I, I don't. I don't think any of these guys um, should go up in value from the Carolina Panthers switching from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold. Now, obviously, there's room for growth because we we don't know. What Sam Darnold's upside and potential is, and maybe that's untapped, and maybe these guys do end up putting up you know better stat lines than what they could have put up with Teddy Bridgewater. But I'm absolutely not projecting that. Uh, so that's that. Um, I know Danny is the Sam Darnold owner in our league, so I'm sure he's been grinning ear to ear since the news dropped. Uh, like I said, it definitely gives a boost to Sam Darnold and, and his trade value. So we'll see what Danny does. Um, you know, with this quarterback situation, if he tries to move Sam Darnold, or if he decides to hold him and still you know draft a quarterback, or if this. This causes Danny to punt on a QB uh, in the upcoming draft. We'll see. I got the mock draft ready to let you guys know what I think, but um, we'll let the rest of the draft season pan out and see what happens. Ace of Spades news and notes. Just like we had a blockbuster deal occur in the NFL landscape, we also had a pretty huge deal drop um, in our Ace of Spades Dynasty League, of course involving me. I'm I'm the most active GM year-round. It's not even close, and I'm constantly dealing And you know, Maybe it's not always the right move. Maybe I should slow down a bit and just hold with my team. I already had a pretty good team, but I thought this trade worked out for both parties. So let's get into it. KOD and Revenge of the Rebuilders. Jesus, Elmo, that is a tongue twister. Dude, can you you shorten that? Can we abbreviate that? Give it an acronym or something? KOD and ROR, let's just call them ROR, have come to an agreement um, on the very first Ace of Spades draft day conditional trade. Yesterday afternoon, I sent... Running back Clyde Edwards-Elair and a future second round pick for the 105 in this year's draft. This is essentially a sign and trade for wide receiver Jamar Chase. And it's a conditional trade. And, and I want to explain the details behind it so people can understand what the trade means. Because it's unusual and unlike anything that's ever taken place in our league before. At least involving the draft. We've done conditional trades before. But this is the first one involving a pick. So the trade at face value is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and a future second-round pick for pick 105. The reason that the trade wasn't processed like that, just sending Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and a 2024 second-round pick straight up for the 105, is there is a way that this trade does not go through. This trade does not happen if Jamar Chase isn't there at the 105. Like I said, the trade is essentially a sign-in trade for Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase isn't there at that pick, there's no deal. Now, there is only one way that this trade does not happen because Elmo and I own four of the top five picks in the upcoming draft. So there is only one way this trade doesn't go through, and that is if Chris decides to take Jamar Chase at the 103. So that's why the trade hasn't been put through. Now, that's why we have to wait for the draft. There is a small probability that, you know, who knows, maybe Chris wakes up in the morning and decides on draft day he doesn't need a quarterback. And he decides to take Jamar Chase. I mean, we don't know. But since it's conditional, we want to keep all of our options open and not process a trade early. We have to be patient and wait and see how the draft pans out. But essentially, that is what the trade is. Um we can do a quick grade to trade. I don't think the rest of this podcast will, will take very long. I, I say that all the time and end up talking for an hour, but I'm going to try not to do that today. Um, I think this is a trade that works out for both sides. I think that Clyde edwards Lair is the most talented running back in this class had he declared this year as opposed to last year. So I think he's better than all these rookie backs. That's just my opinion and he's obviously in a great situation playing with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's only 21 years old. He has a ton of upside. He put up 1,200 yards last year in 14 games, and that's after the uh, Le'Veon Bell signing. So I, I think Clyde erez lair still has a ton of upside. The casual dynasty community is, is pretty long, Clyde, right now. The high stakes and sharp di- uh, dynasty leagues are, are really high on him, and they've been buying him low everywhere. So maybe this will come back to bite me. I'm, I'm thinking with – my RB group of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and the guys I have behind them I can afford to let Clyde Edwards-Elair go uh for a prospect that I'm really really high on and I couldn't really decide who I wanted in between you know Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase so this deal gives me the option to acquire both uh even if it means I'm sacrificing a bit of my RB depth and on the Elmo side uh like I said Elmo gets you know um a top end running back to pair, you know, with JK Dobbins and David Montgomery. And he also gets flexibility uh with his one oh seven to take another one if he likes. Uh Elmo's pretty set at wide receiver. He has Justin Jefferson, Chris Gottwin, and he just acquired uh Jerry Judy in a trade with BT. <laughs> so adding Clyde Every Lair plus a future second round pick isn't a bad deal by any means for him. Like I said, I like to trade for both sides. I give both sides a B. Now, I have some breaking Ace of Spades news in terms of our format. And I wonder how the league is going to react to this because it isn't something that we've talked about previously. And I'm pretty much just going to drop, you know, a cam bomb right here on this podcast. So the first person to, to listen to the podcast, be sure to hop in the chat and give your reaction. I'm anxious to see how the rest of the league feels about it. Our league format for the upcoming 2021 season will be changing. We're going from a one QB, super flex, start two running back, start two wide receiver, start one tight end league to a start one running back league. That's right, Justin. No more, you know, chasing after all of these back in fucking um, 30 year old RB2s, dude you can you can calm down now you don't need to stack out rbs anymore i want to get away from this rb stack you know um um, strategy in our league because i feel like it's it's detrimental to a lot of people and people do not know how to build teams so uh going forward there will only be a start one rb requirement and i'll be making that change in the sleeper app as soon as this podcast ends and it doesn't mean you can't start four running backs still you can start the running back in your flex because the RB spot is going to shift to a flex position where uh, you can start a running back wide receiver or tight end. So again, league format will be changing to start one RB. The second RB slot will be transitioned to a start wide receiver running back or tight end flex. Just another move to create balance and parity throughout the league. Um, This is a fun fact. I don't know if you guys knew this, but last year in our Ace of Spades League, out of 12 teams... Four teams didn't have a fucking RB1 last year. Literally four teams out of 12 didn't even have a fucking RB1. They didn't have an RB that finished within the top 12. I mean, I mean, what, what Murphy Lee said, you cannot sit up and tell me that you have none, man. You may not have three or four, but you got one, man. No, Murphy, Dirty, you're wrong. They, they didn't even have one. I mean, we, we had BT, Ramon, Jamal, and Rio all finish without a running back that finished in the top 12. Now, Ramon just took over his team. Jamal has since acquired Joe Mixon, and Rio had an RB1 in Nick Chubb that he sent away for the 106. Um, but even still throughout the entire season last year, they did not have a fucking running back finish within the top 12. That's a problem when you have to start two running backs and you don't even have one that can finish or put up an RB one finish on a weekly basis, much less um, your, your RB two position. So in addition to not having an RB one for four of these teams, those same four teams didn't have a second RB finish as a RB two, meaning they either had RB twos that were acting as RB ones, so top twenty four RBs that were were in their RB one slot as you know top twelve RBs, or they didn't have a RB one or RB two. And I think you know Juan could be mentioned in this conversation as well, Mook, because he has Aaron Jones, but you know he didn't have another RB finish inside the top 24 uh, except um, Naeem Hines. That was the only other RB I had finished within, you know, uh, the top 24. And Naeem, I mean, it's Naeem Hines. Like, so there's definitely an imbalance of um, RB distribution throughout the league. We could say the same thing about the QB distribution, but I don't want to move from superflex. I want to keep it the same, Uh, but maybe I'll alter or work through the QB scoring to make sure there's more balance and parity there among the league. Like I said, it's just another change. Um, to create more balance throughout the league amongst the teams. And teams that may have additional wide receiver depth but don't have a solid RB1 or RB2 don't have to worry about starting disadvantageous players in their RB positions. So you can essentially build your team however you want and you don't have to worry about, you know, having to find someone to match up against uh, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, or... um, Cam Akers, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you'll still have to match up those players in your flex spots, but at least you're not required to start, you know, Jeff Wilson against Christian McCaffrey, uh, or you're not required to start Naeem Hines because you need a RB two against Jonathan Taylor. Um, you can give yourself a better shot by starting one of your wide receivers. who could potentially have more upside on the week um, in a flex spot. So, Let me know what you think about that change. It's a pretty significant change, especially since, you know, the mantra over the past several years in our in our league has been, you know, get as many RB ones as possible, stack them out and nobody can beat you. Which, you know, with the scoring changes over the years, uh, that hasn't been the case as much, at least over the past season, uh, season and a half. Um, But again, it, it shouldn't take anything away from the teams who have acquired, you know, RB depth, you can still trot those players out in your flexes. So again, let me know what you guys think about that. Um, And I'm continuously working on the league format changes in scoring and any additional updates I have, I'll try to send them all out before the draft. So we know uh, what we're getting ourselves into as we go into the season before we have to pick players. So um, yeah, so let me know what you guys think about that. Uh, What else is here? Any more Ace of Spades news and notes? I don't think so. Okay. Let's get right into Cam's uh, Ace of Spades Mock Draft 2.0. So obviously, the big news in our league yesterday has kind of shifted the first round around a little bit. But I also have more clarity around those first eight picks now that the trade has been made between myself and Elmo. So let's get right into it. But first, first, actually, let's keep in mind that this exercise is for fun. Uh, Please have your own process behind your draft. Now, I do have insights into the top eight picks just based on what GMs have told me, but things can change throughout the process. And uh, to be perfectly honest, after pick eight, I really have absolutely no idea. Um, And I don't really care after pick eight because after the eighth prospect and the draft on my big board, at least the draft is pretty mid to me. So I I don't really care about the the post pick eight. Uh, But I think this is a fun exercise. And just based on, you know, how I project certain team needs and the players that will be left on the board after pick eight. This is just a fun exercise to show how the draft could potentially pan out. And it'll be interesting to look back and see how accurate these mock drafts were after our actual draft takes place in about 40 days or so. So I'm going to do the first two rounds in this mock draft, and this will be my last mock draft until um, first week in May. I'll do one more draft first week in May, and that will be, the post-draft mock, post-NFL draft mock. So a lot of these prospects will shift up and down the board just based on landing spot. So I'll do one more draft after the NFL draft just to see you know, what I think will change um, in our upcoming rookie draft. So let's get right into it. Coming in at the 101, no surprise, it's Elmo. He owns this pick. He will be drafting Trevor Lawrence. That's pretty much etched in stone. The 102 pick belongs to myself, This pick has all but been decided as well. That will be Justin Fields coming in at the 102. At the 103, this is where the draft picks get a bit interesting because I think you know Chris can make the case to go a few different ways with this pick. Obviously, one of his biggest long-term needs is the quarterback position. He doesn't have a first-round pick in next year's draft. So if he doesn't get a quarterback here, I'm not sure when he will get one. In every mock and actual draft I've done, the top well three of the top five picks have have all been justin fields you know trevor lawrence trey lance uh some people have drafted kyle pitts as early as the you know 102 103 but trey lance doesn't usually fall far behind them uh the top five has pretty much been the same so I think while Chris could make a case to go after a player like Kyle Pitts here, or he could even, you know, argue that he could take Jamar Chase here, just depending on how he feels about the prospect and, you know, how he wants to build his team. But I'm pretty confident the pick at the 103 for Chris should and will be a quarterback. So I'm giving him Trey Lance right here in this mock. Coming in at the 104. They smile in your face all the time. They want to take your place The backstab us, backstab us. Rio, I'm I'm sorry, OG. I I gotta do it. They they left me no choice. At the 104, my plan is to take tight end prospect Kyle Pitts here. Apologies to to my uncle Rio, the the OG of the league. Um, he had set in his mind, he had his heart set on taking Kyle Pitts a couple spots after this at the 106. And uh, as Elmo says, you know, drafting is a fluid process, Unc. I I mean, I, I had to I had to take my guy. Here. So um, I was torn between Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts for the longest. I was so torn that I went ahead and made a trade with Elmo for the 105 to acquire his pick just so I could take both of these players in the draft because I could not decide who I wanted to take. So coming in at the 104, I will be taking Kyle Pitts if Chris doesn't pivot off his QB pick. And no surprise next at the 105, that pick will be Jamar Chase. Now, this where this is where it gets interesting because previously I had Rio mocked here to take Kyle Pitts at the 106. Now that we project and expect Kyle Pitts to go a bit earlier, who does Rio take? I, I think this is pretty easy. I only have one wide receiver going in the top 10, um, according to ADP. I don't think any wide receiver other than Jamar Chase and maybe Rashad Bateman should sneak into the top 10. Uh, I just think they're better... They're better prospects at wide receiver than some of these running backs are on the back end. But we'll see how the draft pans out. Anyway, this this 106 for Rio is pretty easy to me. Uh, it's it's Najee Harris. He, he's in the conversation to be the first running back off the board in the NFL draft. I talked about this on my top 10 big board prospects. I think he's the most complete and probably the safest RB prospect. He has the build um, to be a three down workhorse back in the NFL. He also has the pass catching chops. I think this pick is pretty easy. Then we're getting into the 107. This is also a pick that belongs to Elmo. Now that the top three QBs off the are off the board, the top tight end prospect is off the board, and you know, the 1A to the 1B RB prospects are off the board. And Elmo had just made a trade to acquire Clyde Edwards E'Lair uh, with the 105. I think he double dips at RB here. I think. Elmo goes Javante Williams with this pick at the 107. I've talked to Elmo previously. I know he's interested in Javante Williams. I'm not sure exactly in what range, but if Elmo doesn't take him here, he isn't going to get him. So I think this pick is going to be Javante Williams, arguably the best RB prospect in the class. Elmo gets him here at the 107. Coming in at the 108, this pick belongs to Ray. I know Ray has been trying to aggressively trade up in the draft to acquire, I'm not really sure. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I think he's in a perfect position to get the last uh, of the big eight, uh, or or we can call them the elite eight prospects off the board here. And I think he takes Travis Etienne. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a three-way tie. You're splitting Harris, in my opinion, with these RBs. They're going to come down to landing spots. So between Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne, we could see these RBs go in, in any order. I was just talking to Danny um, via text last night about the RBs. I, I think the... RBs themselves can go you know in any order but I think the teams that will be targeting RBs um, I think those draft slots will remain unchanged and what I mean by that is Rio, Elmo, and Ray will be taking running backs back to back to back here no matter what the order is so it could be ETN, Harris, Williams it could be Williams, ETN, Harris it could be um, ETN, Harris, Williams I think three RBs go go off the board back to back to back at six seven and eight now, this is where the draft gets tricky and where I don't really have any insights because I don't really know what Danny is going to do. I don't I don't know Danny well enough or, or know about his process or or um, have a long enough history with him to, to understand like what direction he'd like to take his team. He did get Good positive news on the QB front with Sam Darnold being moved to a more advantageous situation. So I could see Danny punting on QB here. Um, he has back-to-back picks here at 9-10, but I don't think he will. I think Danny will still take a QB here because one thing I do know about Danny, he takes best player available. And I think the best player available here will be a quarterback, um, at least at one of these picks. Um, I think in the NFL draft we're going to see five quarterbacks go before the top ten, and Daniel doesn't have another pick until twenty four. So if he doesn't get a QB here, he's not going to he's not going to get one, and he can get a wide receiver at pick twenty four. So I think the combination of picks here, in no particular order, because they're back to backs, will be Mac Jones and Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman is arguably the better um, of the the wide receiver prospects after Jamar Chase. Like I said, I, I think. Prospects like Jalen Waddle have more upside, but I think his projection in the NFL is way, way more landing spot dependent than Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman can be an alpha, and I think he is, from a talent perspective, um, um, from a skill set perspective, I'd say the, probably the safest wide receiver that you could take at the back end of the first round. I think he, any he, he's landing spot dependent, and I think he could play inside out. I think he's a really good prospect. So I'm giving Danny Mac Jones here at number nine. And I'm giving him Rashad Bateman here at number 10. That leaves Elmo once again at the 111. Elmo has told me plenty of times that he would like to leave this draft with two QBs. I think he gets another one here at the 111 and takes Zach Wilson. Um... I feel pretty good about this pick at the back of the the, at the back end of the first round, you you get to take um, a top five quarterback in the NFL draft. You know, whatever you think about Zach Wilson as a player or a prospect, I think he's going to hold fantasy value for quite some time just because of where he's getting drafted. If he goes number two overall, I mean, this guy's going to be a jet for, you know, presumably four years plus one. You know, probably five years. Um, you have to be a colossal mega bust like Josh Rosen to uh, have your entire fantasy stock plummet after after one season or so. So I think QB is the move here, especially given the prospects that are behind uh, Zach Wilson. I think you take the quarterback here, best player available in terms of value. Uh, that leaves Juan Mook here at the 112. Uh, this pick, I believe, is the same as I mocked it in the first mock draft. I think he takes Smitty here. I think Devontae Smith does fall here unless... Danny takes him at his back-to-backs I think that's the earliest possible scenario otherwise I think um, Devonte Smith is here at the 112 which is you know uh, where he's gone in, in most mocks that I've seen between the 110 and 111 or 109 and 112 so uh, I think he goes here to one and I think it's a really good pick for him I, I think he's a team that's on the cusp of a rebuild and you want to get talented receivers to um, add to your wide receiver room because those are generally the safest prospects and they you know They last a lot longer than RBs do. So uh, I would encourage against uh, Juan taking a running back here just because of the position his team is in. Next, we have the 2.01 that belongs to Kurt paid in full. I think Kurt still takes the fourth best RB off the board. Um, I think he takes Kenny Gainwell here. He could go receiver. There are some talented receivers still off the board, but I think based on the way his team is built and considering he's still firmly in the win now conversation and pursuing his uh second championship in a row, I think he adds a player that he can start immediately. I think Kenneth Gainwell is that player. This is, you know, pretty close to a foregone conclusion in my opinion. Like I said, um if Kurt has the idea and the plan that I think he does. Next Ramon, a uh, global gang coming in at uh, the 14th overall pick. It, it's it's surprising that this player is still here, but but I think he takes Jalen Waddle. Um, Jalen Waddle is a player that, that's top ten on my big board in terms of talent the landing spot is going to determine you know, where I put him in my overall ADP rankings in terms of where I think teams will take him. But as it stands, just based on talent alone, I think he's the best player available here at 14 overall. And I think that's a good cornerstone player, a potential cornerstone player that Ramon could add um, to his, his suffering skill group right now in that team that's in a, in, a, in, a, in a complete and full rebuild. Next on the board, we got Chris here with his compensatory pick. At 15 overall This was a tough pick to make Because I think there are some really good wide receiver prospects here But Chris is another team That's pretty solid at wide receiver Um, And I know he would like to add some RB depth behind Ezekiel Elliott Especially since Ezekiel Elliott Is entering his twilight in terms of um, His peak and prime So I think Chris Takes a, a running back here That's always been the plan from him in my opinion He could go a few different ways But I think the RB that I've um gotten pretty high on over the past few weeks. Uh the more and more I dig into his film, I, I think he's going to drive drive uh drive. I think he's going to rise on NFL draft boards. And if he gets that day two draft capital, I think he could be an absolute steal right here. And that's running back Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. Um he isn't super athletic in terms of speed. He ran a 446 at 250 uh 215 pounds. That's that's actually pretty bad. That's a really low speed score. But like I talked about when I broke him down on a previous podcast, he's just a very efficient uh, economic runner. He doesn't waste a lot of motion. He has a ton of burst. His his burst score is actually relatively high. His broad jump and vertical jumps were pretty good. And that explains, you know, why he's been so good and productive in, in short areas and in between the tackles. I think he's, um, you know, you could consider him an unathletic plotter plus So like a David Montgomery plus, in my opinion, they ran around the same 40 time. I think David Montgomery is a a bit bigger, but uh, Trey Sermon kind of fits that mold. And I think he can be very, very productive in the right landings. But I think this is a really safe pick for Chris here at pick 15. Next, we got my boy, Jay Mula, Jamal New Jack City here. He gets an absolute steal at pick 16. If this guy is still here, I think he takes Terrace Marshall. This is easily the best player on the board. I had Chris take a need fit or a team fit. By taking Trey Sermon at fifteen, but I think uh, Terrace Marshall is is the best player on the board uh, between the two of them. So since Trey Sermon is off the board, um, I think Jamal goes Terrace Marshall. He could potentially take an RB here, um, and I'll talk about the RBs that I have left on the board going to other teams in a few spots. But I think you know Jamal is a fringe you know rebuild team as well. I think he takes the stability and upside of a guy who could be a wide receiver alpha in the NFL. Terrace Marshall. Next, we got Ramon again, global gang, coming back with uh, overall pick 17. I got him taking Elijah Moore here. I absolutely love Elijah Moore. Um, I love his tape. Um, His production profile is solid. He's an early declare. There's a lot to like about this player. And um, I think this is the correct pick here because um, I think Ramon should be passing on the RBs that are on the board here, just because he's he's in an absolute full rebuild. He's a few years away. There's probably no need to take an RB here in the middle of that second round. Um, Next on my board, a team that is not in a full rebuild. And after this draft, he is going to be pushing for contender status. Elmo. Elmo gets his guy right here. Elmo gets Michael Carter RB out of UNC to pair with Javante Williams, who he just took in this mock at the 107. I think this is a dream situation for Elmo. He leaves the draft with two quarterbacks and two RBs that have the opportunity to be pretty productive at the next level. Coming in at 19, Chris's pick again. Uh, I think Chris takes Chuba Hubbard here. Why not double down on RB? Like I said, his wide receivers are pretty solid and he'll have picks to take shots on wide receivers this year in the later rounds, as well as his second round pick in next year's draft if he chooses. So Why not insulate himself with RBs here and take some, you know, five, five spots apart. So he takes, you know, Trey Sermon here at pick 15 and then goes and takes um, Chuba Hubbard, uh, RB out of Oklahoma State here at pick 19. So I think Chuba Hubbard would be the pick here if Chris um, chooses to double down on RB and Chuba Hubbard is still on the board. Kind of silly that, you know, Chuba Hubbard went from arguably a top three RB in the class just, you know, projected two years ago to fall into the late second round in rookie drafts but uh yeah you know his production took took a nosedive uh in his last season in college football and people are a bit low on him but I think he could potentially be a steal here at pick 19 this is another player that has dropped recently in terms of buzz but I, I think it's it's pretty ridiculous that he could potentially fall this far we got Rio coming in at pick 20 taking Rondale Moore Rondell Moore is a player that if given the opportunity, he could be extremely productive in the NFL at the NFL level. And I think his talent absolutely justifies him being taken a lot higher. I just think people are going to shy away from a uh, seven, 180 pound wide receiver. That that's just my take. Um, it, it really depends on the draft capital. Um, but I, I think there's a there's a there's a shot that Rondell Moore actually falls this far um, in our ace of spades draft um, next. I have Mamba Mentality. Holy shit. I have Mamba Mentality here at pick 21. This is the earliest Justin has picked in our draft, and I want to say fucking four years, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see if he actually holds on to this fucking pick. I'm not, I'm not 100% confident he will, but we'll see. I have Justin at pick 21 taking De'Ami Brown, wide receiver out of UNC. I probably should have done my next 10 prospects on my big board before I did this month. This probably would have made a bit more sense, but I'll wrap back and do that in a few minutes. I have him taking De'Ami Brown here at the end of the second round. I'll talk about him a bit more when I do my, my, um, my next 10 on my big board. At 22, holy shit. Man, the worst thing that could have happened to BT was like almost make the playoffs because he is picking very, very late. His first pick comes here off the board at 22, but I think he's going to get a good player to land, uh, to fall to him here. I have BT taking Kadarius Tony here at 22. Kadarius Tony could go much earlier just based on his landing spot and draft capital in the NFL draft. But I think I like the team fits for everyone else that I've picked ahead of him here. And I think he has a chance to fall to the late second round. Here's where it gets pretty interesting. My last two picks of the uh, Ace of Spades Mock Draft 2.0. I got Ray and Danny left. So here at pick 23, I have the, the second tight end off the board. This guy has fallen a bit in terms of buzz, and not a lot of people have talked about him because all the hype is around tight end Kyle Pitts. But Pat Friermuth, um, he's the second best tight end prospect in this class. Uh, landing spot in draft capital is going to determine exactly where I put him on my on my rookie board because I think that matters, especially for tight ends. But right now, just based on the buzz and hype surrounding him or lack thereof, I have him falling into the mid-late second round. And I think the best fit for him is Ray's team. He has a glaring at tight end. The only thing he has there is Eric Ebron and some bullshit after. So I think if... Ray has the opportunity to land baby Gronk right here at the end of the second round. He does that. And last pick, don't really care about this dude or his team, but I got Danny taking Tylen Wallace here. I think he's the best player on the board. I think Danny drafts by best player available, and I think all the RBs in this range are, are absolute dog shit. So I have him taking Tylen Wallace real quick, because we're already at 30 minutes of this podcast. Uh, let's recap the Ace of Spades rookie mock 2.0. We got Trevor Lawrence to Elmo, Justin Fields to Cam. We got Chris taking Trey Lance, we got Cam taking Pitts, we got uh, Elmo taking Jamar Chase on behalf of Cam, we have Rio taking Najee Harris, we have Elmo at pick seven taking Javante Williams, we have Ray at pick eight taking Travis Etienne. We have Danny taking Mac Jones and Rashad Bateman back-to-back at 9 and 10. We have Elmo once again at the pick 111 taking Zach Wilson. We've got Mook at pick 12 taking Devontae Smith. We've got Kurt at pick 13 taking Kenny Gainwell. We have Ramon at pick 14 taking Jalen Waddell. We have Chris at pick 15 taking Trey Sermon. I think that's a steal. We have Jamal at pick 16 taking Terrace Marshall, also a steal. Ramon here at pick 17 taking Elijah Moore. Elmo, once again, getting another one of his guys all the way back in the middle of the second round, taking Michael Carter at pick 18. At pick 19, we got Chris taking Chuba Hubbard. We have Rio at pick 20, taking Rondale Moore. We have Justin, surprisingly, in our top 24 for now, Uh, taking Deami Brown at pick 21. We have BT taking Kadarius Toney, yet another fucking wide receiver two for fantasy here at pick 22. And then we got... Uh, Ray at pick twenty three taking Pat Fryermuth off the board. Seeing that the guy picking before him is pretty sewn up at his tight end position. BT having T.J. Hawkinson, and then to round off this draft, we have Danny taking Tylen Wallace. I think that's pretty good. You guys, let me know what you think. Obviously, we 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 have absolutely no fucking idea what's going on if, if Deami Brown or or um, uh if if Diami Brown or like uh, Elijah Moore gets taken by the Chiefs like obviously those dudes are going to get fucking moved up to the early second or late first or whatever but uh that's what I feel about the uh that's how I feel about the prospects and where they could potentially land based on all the information we have right now pre-draft like I said I'll do one more mock I'll do the mock 3.0 following the NFL draft real quick before we wrap up the pod let's try to stay under 40 minutes here I actually did a really good job on time let's get into my 21 through 30. I have to think about the math right there or the numbers right there. My next 10 players on my big board. Should have probably done this first, but I'm definitely not re-recording this fucking podcast. So, uh I'm going to talk about my prospects on my big board, pick 21 through 30. And guys, keep in mind at this point it's there there really is no particular order uh, like I mentioned on previous podcasts, the elite prospects, I really don't give a fuck about landing spot. The back end, you know, mid, second round Early third round prospects, I absolutely care about landing spot. That could be the difference between you know Trey Sermon being the fourth RB off the board versus the eighth RB off the board if he doesn't get you know day two draft capital. So keep in mind, uh we're just looking at player tiers at this point, not necessarily any order. Coming in at prospect 21 on my rookie big board pre-draft. I have Deami Brown, 6'1, 189 pound wide receiver out of UNC, ran a 445. Google him, watch some of his tape. He's a very talented young wide receiver. Put up two very solid years of production at UNC. And he's an early declarer coming out after his junior season. Up next at 22 on my big board, Elijah Moore. Similarly to, you know, Diami Brown put up a very productive season uh, at Ole Miss, 5'9, 178 pounds, ran a 4'4 adjusted. So I think he ran a 4'3'5 on his pro day. I actually want to move Elijah Moore up. I absolutely love his tape. I think he's going to be uh, a terrific slot receiver at the next level and very productive for fantasy. I'm really interested to see Elijah Moore's landing spot. So. Following the NFL draft, don't be surprised if Elijah, Elijah Moore moves firmly within my top eighteen, and somebody like you know Michael Carter could potentially move down depending on where he's drafted in the actual NFL draft. But I love Deami Brown and Elijah Moore could potentially move both of these guys up. Coming in at pick uh, pick, coming in at number twenty three on my big board, I got Chuba Hubbard. The aforementioned, just talk about Chris landing him and in the late second round in our draft. He was a draft faller just based on his production last year um, um, his last year playing, but you know, he has his flaws, but he also has a ton of upside. If he lands in the right scheme, he supposedly ran a four, three, eight on his pro day. We didn't really get a good look at the 40 time, So his 40 has been all over the place, but we know he's fast and in the right scheme with the right draft capital, he could be a draft riser. Um, next on the board at 24, I've got Jamar Jefferson. He is the RB out of Oregon state. No pro day measurables to track. He's currently my RB7. I did like his tape a lot. He runs with a lot of power. He's got a lot of contact balance, and he's built for the position. He's 5'10", 217 pounds. He is the last RB in my tier two. So Jamar Jefferson is the last RB that I even really fucking care about. Any RB after Jamar Jefferson, which I'm sorry, I have Jamar Jefferson as my RB7. I have Chuba Hubbard as my RB8 they there's splitting hairs with these guys I like them for different reasons But I think Jamar Jefferson Is probably the, Has the game that translates Into the NFL more So I should probably flip flop These dudes on my big board But very close Next um, Actually Scrap everything I just fucking said There's one more back That I want to say is relevant for fantasy And Depending on draft capital and How NFL teams think of this kid I may move him up Into You know Close to my top 18 as well It's Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana, Lafayette. He's 5'10", 218 pounds. He's like a Jonathan Taylor starter kit in terms of his tape. And let me clarify what I mean by that because I don't want anybody to fucking go crazy on this kid. He doesn't have short area agility and quickness, at least not as much as um, some of the RBs at at the top of the board. But when he's a one cut back. When he gets a crease, he can hit it and boom. I don't really know what his pro day measurables were or if they came in, but you you watch his film, you watch his tape, you know he has the breakaway speed. He runs with a lot of power. He has decent contact balance. I like him a lot. It's going to depend on on NFL draft capital and where they put him, but this is a guy that you want to go look into, watch him all 22 or just some YouTube highlights and see how you feel about this prospect, but um, he's probably the last RB that I care about. Chuba Hubbard, Jamar Jefferson, Elijah Mitchell. Be on the lookout for these guys in the middle of second round. Pay attention to where the NFL... Um, Teams draft these guys If these guys get day two draft capital They are going to fly up rookie boards So Elijah Mitchell, Jamar Jefferson Chuba Hubbard, Trey Sermon These guys, Michael Carter, Kenneth Gainwell You're going to want to pay very close attention To where NFL teams draft these guys Because that should shift how you draft them in Dynasty Any rookie Taken on day two And get second or third round draft capital Is worthy of being pushed up on draft boards I won't, you know Um, Make fun of anyone for doing that. I think that's proper process. Next on the board, we have at 26 Pat Fryermuth. Talked about him when I did the mock draft out. I think he's going to fall to the late second round. He's a prototypical tight end. He's going to be blocking a lot, but I like my tight ends playing a lot of snaps, so I think there's still a lot of opportunity for him to catch passes. When you think Pat Fryermuth, think Hunter Henry. I think he's a better prospect than Hunter Henry, but those are, you know, Uh, that's the type of player you should be comparing him to if you want an idea of what this player could potentially look like in the NFL. Next, 27. Justin's probably going to love this prospect, Nico Collins out of Michigan. When you think of Nico Collins, think Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's an athletic freak with a ton of body control. He's 6'4", 215 pounds and ran a sub 4'5". He's, he's a freak. He opted out last year, but the reason he's so high on my board is just that raw talent. I mean, we saw flash from Donovan Peoples-Jones last year, and I think he has the opportunity to, to, to have a ton of room for growth at the NFL level uh, if he can refine his route tree, which, um, you know, players don't always do. So this is like a raw upside player, but I'm 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 planting my flag on Nico Collins. I think he has a ton of upside and athletic ability that translates into the NFL. You can't teach 6'4", 215 with sub 4.5 speed. So I love Nico Collins. Depending on landing spot for him, he could potentially move up as well. Next on my board, I got Kellen Mond, the QB6 for most draft experts, QB4 for Phil Sims, but we're not going to get into that. Um, he's mobile, but not super athletic, has a decent arm. Uh, the reason that Kellen Mond is in my top 30 is because I think there are teams in the NFL that could potentially draft him on day two. And if, if he gets day two draft capital, and I mean like second round day two draft capital, I don't think we can ignore him in fantasy drafts, especially in the early third round of Superflex League. So, uh, or or potentially mid second, uh, mid to late second round in Superflex League. So Kellen Mon is a name you want to look out. Also a guy you want to follow closely in terms of NFL draft and where he lands. Next on my board at 29, I got Seth Williams. Seth Williams, he's a big body receiver. He's, he's 6'3", 211 pounds, really good in contested catch situations. Um, you know, when we get to this range, we're, we're really just, you know, uh, throwing darts and hoping that these players land in a good situation um, and and develop as as prospects or or from the sample size that they've given us at the college level. But Seth Williams is a big-body guy. I think he has a ton of upside. Um, he ran 4.55 five or something like that. So he's, he's not super athletic, but he's absolutely athletic enough. And um, let's wrap this up because I'm almost at uh, 45 minutes. Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz has been a pretty uh, polarizing prospect to some but oh by the way seth williams went to auburn and this this is his teammate so both of these wide receivers played at auburn together you can go watch some you know anthony schwartz or seth williams highlights um, at the same time probably just to give you an idea of the types of players they are anthony schwartz he's uh, a, a speed guy i, I I don't want to say Paris Campbell, but they do remind me a lot of each other. Uh, he's 6 feet, 186 pounds, ran a, a four-three-two adjusted. That means he ran like a 4'2 something as pro day. He's fast as fuck. He's a late riser based on his, his pro day. But but think like Curtis Samuel when you think of this player. He's not like a pure receiver. They used him on a lot of jet sweeps and end arounds. So that's the reason that, you know, even with his athletic profile, he's still pretty low on my board. Uh, I think he's a raw talent. And I, I, don't, I don't fuck with me Cole Hartman's. And that's the show. As always, please tune in to our next episode. We're going to do um, the rest of my top 50 big board, as well as wrap up the year in reviews. Next up, like I mentioned in the last episode, is Ray. And we're going to break his team down and get into the rest of the playoff teams as well. Those are going to be a lot of fun because we have rarely talked about the top three top four teams this off season on the show so it'll be interesting to break those teams down and i'll get danny and kurt to break my team down on the final episode of that series i know we've been talking about that forever and i know you guys have been asking for someone to break down my team so i will have those guys do it while i'm present on the episode as well And uh, we'll get that content to you guys As quickly as possible Um, As long as we can wrap through uh, The rest of these episodes pretty quickly We should be able to do all of these Before the NFL draft And that's the goal So (sighs) I'm rambling man Drop the outro Holla at you boys later And remember It's up there And it's still stuck there